0: The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about the show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to
1: KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. The Heather McCoy Show. Yes, it is. Welcome to The Heather McCoy Show. Today we'll have an exercise on what happens when Monday is a holiday. Midway through the show, we'll be re airing in the interview I did with Jill Stein since both parties at the end of the week will have their conventions televised, and the Green Party will be still sitting in the proverbial corner of the room. Uh, then rounding out the hour, Robert Larson will join us with the best of his reports from the other side of Cleveland National Forest. And maybe sometime for some um, random news this morning, but first we'll start off with our con- regular contributor, the blogger behind FieldOfSchemes.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil
0: morning,
1: Heather. Yeah. Um, so, well, I think we left off or we started last week's show, the same way we'll start this show. Uh, the big announcement that was happened Tuesday afternoon, well after the show aired, um, was a huge dud. No mention of the Sacramento Kings or any other teams. In fact, there were, wasn't very many details at all. However, that magical number that floats from Seattle to almost every arena of 200 events a year, uh, to have a building pay for itself did come up again. Um, you contacted the International Association of Venue Managers. What was the number? Uh, their number of average events uh, dates that the arenas held for an event, you know, yeah. throughout the this, year.
0: This is something I've been wondering for a while because you know everybody always says, "Oh, we're gonna have 200 events a year. We're gonna have more than 200 events a year." So I finally got uh, the Venue Managers Group to tell me what the average is, and it's. Um, we still there? Yeah. Oh sorry, I thought the phone went dead. Um and um the the average is about 111 per year for all the uh, the arenas that have uh have responded. And you know, there are certainly arenas that do a lot better. Madison Square Garden does a lot better than that. Um but uh the uh you know, the the average for an arena is you know, most do not reach 200. I think about like uh 10 or 15% make 200 a year.
1: Yeah. And so um they have a figure of like uh, the figure of the added tax revenue and not economic impact is 5.2 million a year in the best case scenario of 200 events. So what's the real number looking like?
0: Um, if it's if it's 111, um, I guess you scale it down, you know, proportionally, not quite proportionally, probably because you still get some of the some of the big events. But um, you know, the if. If you're going from five million to three million or three and a half million or something like that, I mean it wasn't a very big number to start with. Yeah. So um, you know, and, and you know, one of the things that is interesting in Seattle is that uh, Chris Hansen's actually agreeing to pay more rent if the uh, tax revenue on the arena doesn't come through. So um, Seattle actually could end up being in a better position if they. Uh, don't get as many events because then he has to give them cash as opposed to if they have events, then he winds up just getting to take his tax revenue and kick it back to the city.
1: Yeah. The reception of the proposal by city council uh, members of the Virginia Beach was reported that 11 of city council members uh, of the 11. Only four chose to talk and two of them didn't seem pleased. Do you think Comcast is floating this idea just because it's found a city treasury it wants to raid? Uh, because after all, it is a, a, an extremely small market to build something like this in.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure why Comcast is zeroing in on Virginia Beach or how this happened. Um, they, I think they do have a, a deal where they um, manage a, a different like outdoor amphitheater kind of thing around there. So maybe it kind of gave them the idea. Oh, hey, you know, this is a, a large market that for markets that don't have teams, you know, which is still very small. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe they were thinking, okay, you know, hey, what the heck? If we can, if we can try and get something going here, and it and it and it works for us, um, and we can get some some public money out of it. Um, and that's sort of the big question. Still, nobody has any idea how this thing is going to be paid for. Um, but, you know, it, no skin off Comcast knows that they sort of get excitement going over, wow, we can get an arena, we can even get a team, then you know, either they get a deal that works for them and, or they don't and then they walk away.
1: I'm sure part of the, the um, lease that any potential team would sign with this deal, it would be provided that Comcast become the sports net of the team that signs a lease. Um, any, is that maybe one of the ideas that they want to kind of grow that network?
0: Oh, I'm sure, you know that that one idea is that they can sort of get in on the uh, on the TV rights. But you know, I mean even if it uh, if they weren't a, a cable company, um, then you know somebody else doing this would be thinking, okay, we want we want to get the uh, you know the rights that we can sell it to somebody like Comcast. Um, you know T, TV rights is is part of the is part of you know, the equation in uh, in sports franchises and I think, I don't know. I think, I think it, it kind of gets overblown, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you don't already have a team. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that this is something I've been, I've been debating with uh, people for a while about Seattle, the fact that NBA TV rights is going up doesn't mean that um, building an arena for a team you don't have yet is going to be more lucrative. It just <laughs> means that when you go to buy a team, everybody who's got teams to sell is going to say, Well you know, we've got really lucrative TV rights now, so you're going to have to pay more for it. So yeah. it, it, it doesn't necessarily actually actually help.
1: How likely is this Virginia Beach proposal? Will it turn out like the... Um, and also, will it turn out like the Sprint Center in Kansas City?
0: Um, yeah, Kansas City is always the worry, right, where you go and you build the thing on spec and then, uh, and then nothing happens. Um, I don't see it being very likely, um, especially if... Uh, getting a a team is a prerequisite of it, just because, again, we're talking about a really small market, and there's a really small number of teams that would be thinking about moving, and there's, you know, a bunch of cities ahead of them um, on the list. You know, Seattle got their thing built. Um, You know, Quebec just broke ground on their hockey arena. Um, So it doesn't seem all that likely, but you never know. I mean, stranger things have happened. I didn't think that Oklahoma City was going to get a team either, and they did.
1: Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, back in Glendale, Arizona, the slow glacier move that is the Coyotes has had another movement this week as they look towards the a ta- as they look towards a sales tax hike vote in November to pay for subsidies keeping the Coyotes in town. Glendale spokesman Julie Fraunassi has said that the council has instructed the city staff to come up with new options. Is that because a referendum is looking like it's going to pass in polling numbers or are they getting cold feet as they look at their own city budget?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly why Glendale is suddenly going back and revisiting this plan. I mean, clearly it isn't helping that they're possibly going to be facing a November vote on the sale tax hike, which was how they expected to pay for this thing. Um, so maybe they're thinking, oh, how can we try and cut some corners and make this a little more affordable for us if we don't have the sales tax money? Um, but apparently, you know, back in June when they approved this whole deal, nobody ever ever signed it. They just approved the, you know, uh, legislatively approved the lease, but that the neither the this prospective owner Jameson or the council actually signed the deal. So everything is still up in the air, and it's going to be very interesting to see what. These, you know, sort of renegotiations look like. I mean, I think it's a great opportunity potentially for them to try and uh, to try and, you know, say, well, okay, we'll back away from some of these, you know, more onerous provisions at least lease for the city. But um, you know, <laughs> they've already got a guy who says he can't afford to buy the team <laughs> <even> <laughs> with these massive <laughs> subsidies. Can we just say once again? He want He's going to be buying the team for 170 million dollars and getting 200 million dollars in subsidies, and he says he can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's pretty. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens.
1: We'll see what happens. Do you think there's a lot of like in the potential people he's he's bringing in for ownership? Do you think that there's a little provision in there saying that if the 200 million uh, in subsidies doesn't come through, they can walk away? Oh,
0: I'm sure that nothing, none of this happens. You know, if the, if the subsidy deal falls apart, then I'm sure the purchase falls apart. It's like one doesn't happen without the other. Yeah. Um, you know, the, that's it's it, it, you know everybody's sort of dancing around each other right the city is saying okay we're not going to completely approve this until we see your money and jameson says oh well, i'm not going to completely buy it until i see your money <laughs> um so we've got everybody sitting around and nobody's showing their cards
1: yeah glendale has invested a lot of money in the jobbing arena what happens to it when the coyotes leave
0: uh, you know that's the argument for the subsidy right if, yeah if the coyotes leave then you're going to have this big empty arena that you have to figure out what to do with and, and when you keep it around just to hold a few concerts and you know there's the mall next to it and there's a the whole you know development they tried to sort of sort of create um, you know I don't know that throwing good money after bad is the best way of dealing with it but certainly they're in a bad situation either way because you know even if the coyotes leave it's not like suddenly okay great you know now we don't have to have to spend money on them but you, then you still need to figure out what to do with this arena which is not really needed you know they've already got america west in phoenix um, yeah and i don't know if you need two big arenas there
1: yeah i can just picture kind of something like what happened with um what what happened with the detroit lions old stadium where it's there but it just kind of falls into deterioration
0: yeah and they finally found somebody to take it off their hands for like i forget what it was it was like a couple hundred thousand dollars or something like that
1: yeah
0: um and now he's been talking about all sorts of crazy ideas for, you know, turning it into venues for this and that and the other thing. And, um, it's, you know, it's a problem. And it's why, you know, this flood of new arenas and stadiums has not necessarily <laughs> been great for cities because, you, you know, the new ones might do well, but um, the old ones tend to do a lot worse. Yeah. When you got a new one next to it. I'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen in Quebec, you know, Cause again, they're building a new arena right next door to the old one. And... I guess that could work out in some world, but I don't know how they're going to keep keep both of them operating.
1: Maybe that's a plan is turn one of them into a parking garage or something.
0: Uh, yeah, or a mall or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it, again, it's it's the kind of thing that all too often cities don't think about. You know, oh, great, we're going to do arena, and we'll have the old one. It's two assets in one. But, you know, they're very expensive assets to operate, and you don't really want two of them.
1: I think in... Min- in um... Memphis, if I remember right, when one of the new arenas opened, the old Memphis arena where the Beatles played, they had like this non compete clause, and it was all all but effectively shut down.
0: Yeah, um, and you know that's happened in a lot of different places. They've had to tear down arenas. You know, the the Met Center in uh, in. Uh bloomington minnesota was a famous one where the north stars had played and you know everybody thought it was a great arena for hockey but then when the target center opened they complained that they couldn't compete with another arena that was uh, that was hosting concerts so they knocked it down
1: yeah. um
0: and you know that's an issue right now in seattle where the council one of the one of the things holding up the deal now is that the council there is saying um well we want to know what your plan is for key arena because you know you're going to be building this Hot new arena that's supposed to be hosting 200 events a year. <laughs> what on earth is going to be left over for Key? Yeah, was just renovated. I don't know what is it now, it's 18 17 years ago, something
1: like that. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, back in California, farmers failed the proposed LA football stadium. It has a community group summing over the get out of lawsuits free card that the state legislature passed in uh for AEG in September. Uh, when they asked why they waited until now, they stated they wanted to wait until they made sure the stadium was moving forward. Um, I, is this the case of of, um, of trying to present a counter-narrative before the pro forces can make their next move, like what, what happened in the effort to save Fenway?
0: I, I'm not really sure why they waited until this point. I mean, you know, maybe this was at the, the point at which they had the, uh, the you know, sort of— uh, coalition that, that gets to support it, um, or where you know they they had the the figured out the legal standing or whatever. Um, but for whatever reason, they've decided now to. I mean, and and there is some stuff, right? This, I think there's going to be some votes coming up in the fall on the stadium. That still doesn't mean they're going ahead with the stadium anytime soon. They still don't have a team yeah. um, or any hope of a team anytime soon. So uh, you know whatever if they they more power to them, I guess if they're gonna if they're gonna challenge this thing it certainly is a little weird to have a state law saying that you can't challenge you know uh, a big project in court um, but clearly the uh, you know AG decided that that was what they needed to have in order to make this thing go forward um, yeah I don't know well we, it, it this is another one of these things where I feel like we've been hearing forever, oh, you know, it's a done deal, the stadium's going to get built. it's got council approval. Um, but, you know, there are always more chapters than you think in uh, in stadium deals.
1: Yeah, it's unrelated, but that um, no lawsuits thing that they passed reminds me of what the Senate and Congress passed with the AT&T wiretaps where you couldn't sue them if, if your phone was tapped.
0: Yeah, it's very, very odd, Um, and I'm not sure again what what the uh, you know how far legislators can go in exempting uh, institutions from (laughs) lawsuits. Because at some point, you've got some you have a constitutional right to to challenge things in court.
1: Yeah. So, um, well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, my guest has been Neil DeMoss, uh, Neil DeMoss from PhilTheSchemes.com. Thank you for being on the show.
0: <laughs> Always a pleasure.
1: <laughs> Talk to you next week. Okay. Talk to you next week. This is the Heather McCoy Show.